0: To go on the fan New York Sports Radio Mike's on, mics on, To will get you the sports any way that he can it's Mike Francis I'm on the fan Sports Radio 66 and 101 at 6.05. I apologize for us being late, but uh, Radio.com doesn't know what the heck they're doing, so I apologize, but they couldn't get us patched in, so they just patch us in now. Uh, So away we go. We're here at little 6.30, brought to you by Casamigos Tequila, brought to you by those who drink it, Uh, and as we said, we'll be here until 6.30 this evening, and I'm sure they have a game for you tonight, but I have no idea what it is. We'll find out before 6.30, but you know, listen, you know you got to have a game tonight. It's a Yankee game or a Met game, and uh, that team's going to win the game. That, you know, because that's what happens every night. So they'll have something for you later on this evening. I see that uh, baseball's supposedly got a plan, okay? Uh, and Randy Levine made the rounds today because I was just reading all these different stories about it. I didn't hear him on the fan. But the amazing thing is reading the quotes and the stories, he, made, he went on three different shows without any information. So, you know, how much how many shows are you going to go on without any information? There's no information yet. Nobody had any plan. No one has anything yet. And he said he hopes that he has fans back in the stadium, but you think he would put a call into de Blasio because de Blasio threw cold water all over that. He completely said no chance is that happening anytime soon. So I don't, I, what I can't get is how these guys from major professional sports and these Offices of the governor and the mayor can never have a conversation where they're on the same page. You got baseball saying one thing, and then you got the mayor's office completely blowing that out of the water, throwing it, basically saying there's not any chance of that happening. You don't have the city open yet, so until the city's open, how are you going to have games here? That's still a long way off. Hey, you want to be hopeful? That's fine. You want to do rah-rah, but hey... There's no plan yet. And, it, and today, the union admitted they have never received an official plan. There have been leaked plans. We have seen leaked plans that have been obviously leaked from one side or the other, the different writers, and I don't think for a second that the writers didn't get those from somebody. But there has never been an official plan to this point. Because Clark said he has not received an official plan yet. They have not even agreed yet on what the salaries will be if the ballparks are closed, which means there is no game revenue, which means that is an amount of money that usually will be, if you count secondary and tertiary revenue streams, would be almost $4 billion a year, counting gate receipts. And that money is not there if there's nobody in the stadiums. So the players who say, "Wait a second, we got 170 million dollars for April and May," which when you divide it up comes to about four seven four thousand seven hundred something dollars a game for the veteran players. I don't know what they paid the rookies or if they got what they got. uh, You know, I don't know how they broke it down. Veteran players supposedly got four thousand seven hundred change per day. They agreed to that. But the players say, well, after that, we get full pay. There's no way they get full pay. You know that going in. Now, I don't blame them for saying at the start that that would be their negotiating point. It should be. That's where you'd start from. But that can't happen because the revenue streams are not anywhere near the same. You're going to get money from the network television money because you're going to provide network games. You're going to get money. From your local radio and TV, which you may own part of or own, you know, any part of or all of based on what the relationship is. There are teams that own their TV rights. There are teams that own cable outlets. There are teams that own parts of cable entities. So it depends on the situation. There are also other little revenue there's, there's you know radio money which can range anywhere from a team making a million dollars a year to teams making almost 20 million dollars a year in their radio contracts depending on who the team is. So and that money varies. Remember, baseball is different in that teams other than their network money they vary greatly in the amount of revenue they take in. The Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs, they take in far different revenue than, say, the you know uh, Tampa Bay Rays or the uh, Minnesota Twins or the Pittsburgh Pirates. There's always been a great difference. That's why you've had the issues that you've had with luxury taxes and revenue sharing and the like of that stuff that has always been part of modern-day baseball, which clearly leveled the playing field. But right now, do I think they will play baseball this year? Yes, I do. I I would think they will. I would be stunned if they won't. I do think, though, they're going to have some cities where it's going to be tricky as to when they can get in those cities, and they may have to start some of those teams on the road for weeks if those cities don't open up. Do I think there's going to be cities that won't be open on July 1st? I would think that's probably logical there will be, especially since everybody's opening differently and everybody's having different issues with the pandemic. And you still have where there were 26,000 new cases in the United States last night. So it is still a very big factor. And you have a death rate now that is heading quickly towards 100,000. It's up above 76,000 today. So that's still a major issue. You have other hotspots. New York is not a hotspot now. New York has cooled off dramatically. But the city is not open yet. And you know that there's going to be this opening the corridor of the Northeast in unison that's going to happen on some level. And you know of these... Ideas of hitting these seven markers before an area can open up. You've probably seen that already, that the, what the state's going to do in that regard. So we're ways away from that. So all this has to be taken into consideration. And there's the testing, which if you listen to some of the owners today, if you listen to Cuban, if you listen to Mark Lazary, if you listen to some of the other owners, they've talked about this being a very, very big concern for players and for teams. And Cuban made the point, and Cuban's been very smart on this thing. First of all, if you listen to Cuban, he's very smart. I didn't realize how smart Cuban was till I started listening to him. When I, used to, when I first saw him after he bought the Mavericks, and when he first bought the Mavericks, they made fun of him because they thought he bought it for a price that was outrageous. And he did overpay for him, but it turned out to be a really smart buy. Okay, and he's a guy who got out with broadcast.com before the bubble burst on the, uh, the dot-com era, and you know what, he was smart there too. So he's a really smart guy. And if you listen to him, come on CNBC and talk about certain stocks, he's been very good at that too. i got to be honest with you, he really has because I listen to him. And I think his image changed a lot watching Shark Tank and I think he comes off as being a very, you know, generous and benevolent guy in that regard. But the people who come on, he's got a heart. And he said, hey, my players have to be very careful who they put their whose hands they put their lives in and they know that they're putting their hand their lives in certain people's hands here when they come back And have to deal with daily testing and deal with a core of people who have to be tested. And they have to rely on these people to be testing accurately and to be handling things on a very professional level and making sure their results are correct every day because their livelihoods are in the balance and their health is in the balance. And he's right about that. And he said the issue that I am concerned with is my players' health short term and long term. And I think he's very right about that. So what we know is you hear the NBA talking to the players tomorrow and baseball trying to rev things up. And listen, I understand everyone's trying to push. That's really what Manley Bean's doing. He's trying to see if he can exert a little pressure and push a little bit. I don't think he's going to push Cuomo in this regard. I think the numbers are going to push him. I don't think he's going to push the mayor in this regard. I think the science is going to push him. They're going to be dictated by the science. They're going to open or close things based on the science. And we're just going to have to be patient with that. And I think it's very important, and both baseball and basketball have been smart enough to say this. They can't be out in front of the testing where they have state-of-the-art testing when the the rest of the cities, rest of the states, rest of the people who go to work every day, people who are sick, everybody doesn't have the same level of testing. Now, everyone expects professional athletes to get the best of everything. But when they have something that people feel everyone should have, especially during this kind of crisis, they could treat the players with great animosity because of that. And I can tell you, go harking back to March when it was first revealed that a couple of the Nets had tested positive and everyone screamed, where'd they get the test from? I can't get a test. Where would they get a test from? So from that standpoint, they don't want that backlash. They want to come back and be received just just like the NFL was received for the draft, where everyone couldn't wait to watch. Everyone was thrilled that they came back. And they even liked Goodell. So you could see how much they wanted the sport to come back. And they want to come back under the same kind of feeling. And they should because they are providing... A distraction, they are providing a service. They're providing an entertainment. They're giving people something to do. And especially baseball, I think, provides a therapeutic release for people. I really do. I think baseball is important. I think it's part of our fabric. I think it's part of our culture. I think it's something that is different. It has a quality that other sports don't have because it's been part of our history forever. And Other sports just have to live with that. Other sports have passed it in popularity. Other sports have passed it financially. But they still do not have the cultural link that baseball has to who we are. That's just what baseball has. They own that. And I think they will probably always own it. And that's why at times like this, it does serve a very, very important space, it does serve an important role, and it is therapeutic, it is healing, and it would help if it was back, but it's got to work for everybody, it's got to work for the players and their health, it's got to work inside the city that it's in, it has to look the part in that it can't look like they've been given special treatment, and it has to work, you can't open it up for a week, close it down because, you know, three players get get sick, that would look ridiculous. Imagine you open the sport up and you had to close it because a team came down with six or eight players with the virus. It would be laughable. And that's not, in this day and age and what we're watching, that's not out of the realm of possibility that something like that could happen. They have to guard strictly against something like that. It can't miss that. That can't happen. And that's why this has to be done very carefully. And I think the powers that be will, but it's hard to even get them on the same page because nobody really has any workable information or a workable plan. And that's why this has been delayed. And that's why right now, as you hear people talk about meetings and proposals, no one really has anything concrete to say. And you get contradictions. Baseball we're ready. We're, you know, everyone gonna getting ready to go. And you hear executives we're ready to go. And then you hear the mayor of that city saying, they're not playing baseball in this town anytime soon. Very tricky. Very tricky stuff. Back after this. All right, we're back, thankfully. It's been a rough one tonight here, folks, uh, but uh, we'll work on it. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can get it figured out. I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but we'll, we'll, we'll piece it together afterwards. Um, all right, let's get a couple of calls in. Let me do my uh, mail and Bernie Williams thing for the date here. I got that here. wasn't a remarkable day. Um, May 7th. Do Bernie first. May 7, 2006. Now, at this time, Bernie, they're playing the Rangers, Bernie's in right field. This is later in his career, obviously. It's where he starts to play and fill in Philly, and he's on center. Johnny Damon's in center. He goes two for five, two RBIs. Uh, he's batting 268 on the season. Um, you know, he's off to a so so start. This is the later years for him, so. Nothing earth shattering on that date. For Mickey, we go to May 7th, 1955, Yankees and Red Sox. Yankees come back on the Sox, who are a woeful team. You know, they're 9 and 15 already on the season. Um, the Yankees get two in the seventh, one in the eighth on a manal home, a three in the ninth. Um, here's the 55. Now remember, in the 50s, you go back and forth with Mantle and Berra. Remember, you still had the figure of Ted Williams. DiMaggio's gone after 51. You still have the figure of Ted Williams, who can still be there any one of these seasons because he's still great. But you had Bauer leading off in right field. You had Joe Collins at first base, batting second. Mantle in center field, batting third. Berra, uh, who, remember, was a three-time MVP in the 50s. Mickey won two MVPs in the fifty. Berra won three. Mickey finished in the top two or three every year in the, in the MVP. And he won three, and he finished second three times, twice lost by one vote. Um, he bets third, Yogi fourth. Elston Howard is in left field, just to show you how different it was in those days. Ellie's a catcher, but they played their catches in the outfield. They played Yogi in the outfield. They played Elston Howard in the outfield. And Blanchard, their third catcher, was a premier pinch hitter. He had Andy Carey at third base. You had Gil McDougal, if you remember the name, at second base. You had Billy Hunter at shortstop. And you had uh, Scooter didn't start that day. This is late in Scooter's career. And you had Don Lawson on the mound. And Mickey went two for five. Uh, Had a homer in the eighth. Had two runs scored, one RBI. Had a walk Uh, for the season. That was his sixth home run he was off to a so so start in 55 He's 614 614 250 at 267 at this time so wasn't off to for him a now his on base percentage was 425 but it's 267 not the you know not off to a great start In 56, which we'll use a lot, and we've used a lot in recent days, and we'll chronicle a lot of that season. You know, a lot of times it'll be 56, 57, and 61 uh, because those were such big years, you know, uh, especially 56 and 61 uh, for Mantle. Now, 61 wasn't an MVP year. He finished second because Roger at 61 home is Mickey at 54. Roger batting in front of Mickey which was an incredible advantage, Roger hit 61 homers and never got an intentional pass for the entire season. Think about that. You got a guy behind you who is so feared that you get hot enough to hit 61 home runs in the season and you're never walked intentionally, ever. Not one time the entire season. Because he's in because Malin was behind him now. Malin got off to a phenomenal start in 50 and in, in 61 and was batting third. Roger was slumping, so Hauck switched them and put Mickey behind them. Which all of a sudden Roger then got plenty of fastballs, got red hot. Now Roger had had a really good year the year before, won the MVP again, beating Malin by one vote in the MVP in 60. Mickey led the league at home, homers, Roger at 39, Mickey at 40. But Roger won the MVP. And the next year, Roger won the MVP again. So Roger wins the MVP in sixty-one and uh, 60 and 61. Mickey wins it in 62. And could have won it in 64. Brooks won it in 64. Mickey had his last really good year. Uh, 35, 111, 303. Uh, Yankees win the pennant over the Orioles and the, and the White Sox. Really good run, the three team race, and Yankees win it and then lose the World Series in seven games in what is the last, as you know, the last World Series of the dynasty. It ends after that. Mickey plays four more years 65, 66, 67, 68 on what are mediocre to bad teams and then retires. But he's really physically done after only glimpses, stayed around for the money after 65. I mean he stayed around for a couple of things like hitting 500 home runs which he wouldn't have done. But the bulk of his career was 61 it was 51 to 64 and in his first 14 seasons in the majors he played in the World Series 12 times. Think about that. I mean how unbelievable is that? Played in the World Series 12 times in his first 14 years in the majors. They were they were used to winning. I mean that's just an it was seven wins and five losses in the World Series. Seven wins, five losses in the World Series, and played in 12 of them. And lost in, and really was seven and three, lost in 63 to the Dodgers and 64 to the Cardinals. So 63, they get swept by the Orioles. 64, they lose in seven games in the Classic Series. So that's basically it. But uh, we'll chronicle that every day with the two switch hitters. Uh see how they did in each of the years. We'll do it at least through the days of the pandemic until baseball comes back. Anyway, 6.30. We've been brought to you by Casamigos Tequila, brought to you by those who drink it. Uh, Have a good evening. We'll see you tomorrow.